Welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kautzer, and with me today is Scott Phillips. Hello. He is the official, I'm going to just call it, we're just calling you the official co-host of the B-Movie Podcast cool. at this point. Um, yes, well, I mean, you know, you, you're... I mean, you're, in title, at least. Exactly, in title, not in heart. In heart, you're always <laughs> <laughs> you're always my co-conspirator on things. Um, but um, at the top of the show, we're going to go ahead and give out um, the places and social medias that uh, you where you can find us, and then we'll go ahead and get into the episode so that when we say goodbye, you don't have to worry about where to find us. So, Scott, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you where they can find you with the social medias. Yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter at mscott underscore Phillips. Uh, and then my, my video review work, uh, you can find at WRBL.com. Uh, that's a CBS affiliate here in Georgia. Uh, and then the majority of my written work, uh, is with you at the movie aisle. Absolutely. And it should be noted that you do actually have another podcast. I'd love for you to promote here um, with uh, Supermassive Pop. So why don't you go ahead and give them a couple of uh, like, you know, give it a give it a plug because it's yeah. definitely great stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I have a uh, podcast with a uh, longstanding uh, friend and uh, uh, film critic buddy, uh, Spencer Howard. Uh, and it is called the armchair cinephile. And so the goal of that podcast, uh, is to discuss kind of some of the more obscure titles that are amazing titles that are out there on streaming. Uh, we all, you know, have subscriptions to various streaming services, but sometimes we don't do a deep dive into those services. We just watch the kind of obvious, uh, surface stuff that's being pushed that week. Uh, and so the goal of that podcast is to take places like Netflix, Hulu, Shudder, uh, the Criterion Channel, things like that, and uh, point out some interesting things that you may be missing. Absolutely. And guys, that's actually officially on iTunes because it just literally started last week. So you know how like the iTunes things go, but it is on iTunes, Stitcher, all the podcasting apps, at least per what uh, Spencer has said, um, definitely go ahead and download uh, download that. They've been talking some really great episodes. Um, I just uh, finished up their In the Mood for Love podcast. And, um, you know, Scott, I honestly think that you your goal should be to get onto a commentary track for a uh, Wong Kai War film because because the the. Because just the way that you handled it and your just love of it rivals your love for Michael Mann. I would be happy to do it. If, if the uh, Criterion box has not yet had a commentary track put on it, they can give me a call. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we going from Criterion and artful films to something down and dirty. Like, uh, like this is a one-off episode, as you guys can already can tell. We're talking about Joe Bagos's VFW. Um, the IMDb uh, page describes it as such: a group of war veterans must defend their local VFW post and an innocent teen against a deranged drug dealer and his relentless army of punk mutants um kind of a strange uh, <laughs> like the last part the punk mutants is more like uh i would say like just punk druggies let's just put it out there um but <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> but um 
so this uh, this film is something that like I like you know when after I saw it I instantly wanted to talk to Scott about it because Scott had you know uh, I will let actually Scott talk to you guys about where he actually saw it. Yeah, I uh, I caught it at Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas, uh, last September, and for for any of our listeners who are not big film festival goers. Uh, that would be your nirvana, your mecca, if you're listening to this show. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite film festivals, if not the favorite film festival that I go to uh, in a given year. It, it specializes in genre films like this, but it also uh, uh, has some really great curated foreign films and things like that. For example, uh, uh, they showed Parasite at Fantastic Fest last year, and Bong Joon-ho was there. Uh, so they get, uh, you know, amazing films, amazing guests, et cetera. And so this was playing as part of a Joby Ghost uh, double feature. And so they had VFW. And from VFW, uh, they had uh, Stephen Lang, Martin Cove. Um, let me think who else was there. Uh, uh, Sadler. Uh, and, uh, I think the only person who was missing was Fred Williamson. He was the oh, only wow. person who, okay. who hadn't made the, uh, the trip. And then of course, Joe Bigos himself was there. And so they showed VFW, uh, and then, um, uh, had a big Q and a, uh, afterward with everybody lined up up there on the stage. And then they followed that by a, I think a 35 millimeter showing of bliss. Yeah. Like that's uh that's what I think that uh, you were I remember you telling me I was going through yeah, my yeah, I, was I was going to remember what format but yeah it was definitely on film they actually did a projected uh version of uh, of Bliss and uh and so that was was really cool to uh get to uh, uh see the film you know with a a like minded audience I mean you know everybody at Fantastic Fest is is there for films just like VFW. And so there was hooting and hollering and clapping when it was over with. And, and, and so it was a really good time. Uh, and then we had a, a great Q and a afterward with those, uh, with those guys. So, uh, that was where I first saw it. Absolutely. And, and did it like, did it play like some kind of like Marvel movie at a uh, fantastic fest? <laughs> yeah, it really did. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're into these types of films, you know, the guys who are in it at this point, uh, are kind of like genre film royalty. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a great comparison for a fantastic fest type audience. Bringing these guys in would be like, you know, being at Comic-Con and bringing in Chris Evans and uh, Samuel Jackson and, you know, Brie Larson and whoever from all the Marvel crew. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really uh, well-received. Uh, awesome, awesome, and and I can only imagine like that that double feature is like what played first? Did VFW play first or did Bliss yeah. play first? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, VFW was first, uh, and it was like a prime time, like eight o'clock slot, and so then they were following up with uh, Bliss in kind of a late night slot, like a ten thirty or something like that, uh, shortly after it. Absolutely, uh, that is actually uh, that's a movie that. Wow, yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's definitely different. Yeah, it, it's like uh, I really loved Bliss. Um, it, it's not for everybody. That's why we're not covering. It's not to say that we wouldn't cover it. It's just that um, 
it's not something that I don't I don't know how people would uh, are gonna react to that one. This one's like a line yeah. drive home run for B movies. This it, one, it, like it is. Bliss, is very artful, very kind of early. Like the best way I describe it, and this will be the this will be like your little mini cast for it. Uh, Bliss is like early Catherine Bigelow. But like yeah. not not near dark Catherine Bigelow. I'm talking like early early Catherine Bigelow, uh, like art film Catherine Bigelow, uh, which is it, it's it's shot on sixteen. It, you really see that it's shot on sixteen, and it's more of an art film than it is an actual like it, it's a horror movie. But it's you know what actually it's it's his Abel Ferrar movie if you really think about it. Yeah, no, that's that's actually a really good comparison. You're right. Yeah, so if you're into like Abel Ferrar, but not like the driller killer Abel Ferrar, the addic- <laughs> right. the, the addiction right. Abel Ferrar, the guy who you know is like a homeless dude that just kind of came in and they gave him a camera and he's like art. That's kind of bliss in um in in a nutshell. Um, I mean, in the conditions that he 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 made it in, it was a very low budget. It, he self funded it. It was 16 millimeter. Um, he shot it actually 16 anamorphic, which is like. A very weird specific format but it, it works for the film and like i said if you if you really like if you love that kind of film then i strongly suggest going to see it uh and searching out for it but please be warned it is basically an nc-17 film like that's that's the kind of gore and sex that you're going to be dealing with with bliss just as a forewarning but like I said, we're not here to talk about the VF. Uh, we're not talking about here, but uh, here to talk about Bliss. We're here to talk about VFW. Um, now, there was something that you teased on. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go. Like the funniest thing, insider baseball guys. I'm gonna have to go in and kind of adjust a um, a podcast that we just we just uh, recorded because <laughs> a film has just got delayed by three months, which is a good thing for this film. But there was something that he teased on that episode that I'm now going to have to like kind of go in and stitch something in so that you guys can go back to it. But there's a story that I want you to tell about this movie with all of the the actors from the film, which I, I found quite hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, uh, when you go to these festivals, you know, you, uh, uh, you try if you can, and especially if you're wearing a press badge, uh, to not get up in the middle of the movie and, and go out. Now, I mean, sometimes nature calls and you can't help it. Uh, but you know, you hate for somebody to see you and, you know, you're just taking a bathroom break and they think that you walked out on their movie. Uh, and so, uh, just, you know, kind of film festival etiquette wise, at least with me, uh, you know, I try to time things so that I don't have to get them to the bathroom in the middle of the film. So, uh, I was waiting through the Q and a and enjoying the Q and a, and then literally about the second that they said, all right, folks, you know, thanks for coming kind of deal. I was up mouth, you know, just, just beelining it to the bathroom. And so I'm, uh, uh, in, in the, uh, too much information uh, category, but it only works. Uh, you, uh, you can only tell this story with a little TMI. Uh, <laughs> I'm standing there at the urinal in uh, Fantastic Fest, and in walks Stephen Lang and takes the one next to me. In walks Martin Cove and takes the one next to him. <laughs> and then in walks William Sadler and takes the one next to him. And then David Patrick Kelly walks in and takes the next one to... 
uh, Sadler. <laughs> so I'm standing there at the urinals lined up with the whole cast of this film who are all these, you know, icons from, you know, I'm, I'll be 51 next month. So, I mean, you know, I went and saw the karate kid when I was in, I guess, early high school and, uh, you know, saw all these, these guys, uh, in movies. I mean, I remember Stephen Lang all the way back, uh, to Manhunter. Yep. Uh, Freddie and, Lowndes. Uh, Freddie Lowndes. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, hard to believe that that guy turns into the badass, uh, sergeant in Avatar. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> but I was sitting there and I'm just like looking down the line uh, at the urinal, just thinking, you know, was I just killed and like woke up in <laughs> purgatory or something? <laughs> this is this is bizarre. And, and all I could think of was, uh, can we tell a dirty joke on this podcast? Of course. Of course. It's, right, it's, you know, it's, it's R rated. Yeah, it's it's like the old the old genie joke where you know the guy re- releases the the genie from the bottle, and the genie says, you know, I'll grant you a wish, and the guy says, well, I want a dick that touches the ground, <laughs> and so the genie waves his hands and the guy's legs fall off. <laughs> And uh, so it's like it's like you got your wish, but you didn't get your wish the way that you wanted to get your wish. Exactly. And so I thought, you know, when I was a kid, if you had said that I would be in a room somewhere with these guys, you know, Sully from Commando. Yep. And the dude from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure playing the devil and all of these guys I would have been like, oh, get out of here, man. That'd be awesome. And so where I'm lined up in the same room with these guys is at the urinals at Fantastic Fest where you're not exactly chatty and you're not exactly going to, you know, uh, shake hands, uh, <laughs> take a selfie, uh, stuff like that. So I just kind of had to admire the moment and leave it at that. <laughs> so that was my my genie uh, granting my wish. Uh, just not at all in the way that I would have chosen. <laughs> um, that that's kind of like a, like what I love about that joke is that it's it kind of leads into VFW itself because <laughs> VFW that was not planned by the way. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> lead into VFW. I'm gonna be impressed. Uh, well, it, it's it's because like I I feel like VFW and I said it in my review. VFW is a film that is a is a throwback in in a way that. I feel like we don't have these types of movies anymore coming out of studios. Um, the low, the low budget, lo-fi action movie, um, which used to be a, a staple. I mean, you know, like like back in the eighties and into the early to mid nineties, you could always count on January, February, and March, and then September, October. Uh, and August having like being the doldrums of of like movie going, but what you got were some really great like low rent action movies, and they were un PC as fuck. They they usually just did they they weren't they starred guys like Seagal and and Norris and uh, Wesley Snipes, and they were just like Jean Claude Van Damme, and they were they were. Like these unfettered movies that just were, and I think we've kind of gotten into this like kind of clean, uh, like this clean, clean, like you know, this clean era of movies where like films aren't bruised and damaged, and it's kind of refreshing to see something like this where 
like these old dudes are being old dudes, you know? And yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Stephen Lang had had a hip replacement. Oh my uh, God. Just, just before coming to fantastic fest. Oh, good Lord. And he was on a cane mm-hmm. and I was looking at him up there on the stage and I thought, you know, there's something in me that still thinks that he could drop that cane and whip my ass. So, so uh, I mean, you know, definitely the uh, 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 the ultimate uh, uh, tough guy. But, yeah, you know, some of the enjoyment of this uh, was, you know, seeing the guys as they're aging still doing what we think of them as doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, uh, it, it's it's kind of funny because um, when I was uh, – like you know speaking about the cast it's it's just it is literally a murderer's row of of like great like actors from a different era i mean you know you 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 talked about stephen lang bill sadler uh fred williamson martin cove david patrick kelly i mean you uh we forgot uh george went playing basically like like literally like the end joke in the movie is if you've seen cheers you know he's norm but he literally <laughs> sits in the same damn chair that Norm does in a bar, <laughs> and right. he does literally the Norm thing. Like, he's basically Norm, even though he's not Norm. Um, right. Uh, but what's kind of fun about this movie is that they are going up against, basically, if you've ever seen, if you've seen a Joe Bagos's, uh, a Joe Bagos film, he he's, like, you know, littered this cast with, like, his little troop of uh actors up and coming actors um right and, and it's a real treat to watch this like um the one of the main bad uh, like you know one of the main baddies um her name is gutter she's the the she's the lead in bliss uh dora madison and then you've got travis uh travis hammer who seems to be in everything that he's in josh ether who's both the editor co-producer mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like one of the big heavies he's like what I like about him is that he always seems to play that 80s big burly dude, like in a movie, whenever he's like, you know, starring in a Joe Vegas or any film for that matter, um, because Ether shows up in a lot of uh, of the, the the there's a like a group of these filmmakers that kind of roll around together and they kind of intermingle with their all of their um, filmmaking and uh, like ether shows up. If you ever see him in a movie and you'll know who he is, <laughs> big bald dude with a big beard. Um, yep. it, he's always yep. playing that kind of heavy from the eighties. He was like, a, he was a fantastic fest as well. Oh, he's got a, like, like a, like a side note about him is that like his editing, like whatever he edits, like is always just edited to the to the bone. Like he has this great way of stripping things down and making it the best, uh, the the best possible version of it. Like this movie and Bliss are kind of like they're completely different films, but you can feel like the edit there, which is kind of amazing. He, um, uh, Ethier was at Ethier, Fantastic sorry. Fest the year before. Ah. And uh, for as the editor for the standoff at Sparrow Creek. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Which is a completely different film, which is like more of a performance piece, which is a great film. We should actually cover that. We really. Should yeah, yeah, we should. That would that'd be a good one to discuss. And, you know, one interesting little tie in, though, 
it's not going to seem like a tie-in yet because of the postponement of the episode that we recorded. But, you know, Sierra McCormick, uh, who is in Vast Night, is also one of the characters in this film. Yes, yeah, she is. She plays the she plays the teen of the uh, uh, from yes. the IMDb plot um, plot point, which completely different. Like you're not going to yep. tell this. You will not be I able didn't to know tell. It was her until I read it in the credits. I yep. didn't have any idea. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so, like, what's so great about this film, at least to me, is is that it is like stripped down to its barest essentials. Like it, it begins with like this opening crawl, and then we just kind of we we get into it. Uh, uh, Fred, who's played by Stephen Lang, picks up Abe in his truck, and we're just kind of getting this whole like beginning their day slash night um for this for this movie and it's kind of like it's very kind of reflective of like you know the early carpenter the early carpenter films where like you right. know you're stretching out the time frame at least carpenter was but here it's all style and it's purpose because he's giving you like bagos is giving you like this this opening moment of okay so this is the land and this is the time that they live in this is like you know this is like run down it doesn't say that it's the future, but it's like um, it's like it's like the beginning of um, Escape from New York, where he go, where it says tomorrow or the next day, or it was it Escape from New York? No, it wasn't. I can't remember which movie it was, where it literally says tomorrow, and then it just starts off like literally like this is the future, but it's the future right. of like three days later, um, right? And then we get to the VFW, uh, but through that that like opening moments, we see everything that that these guys are like where they're living like it's squalor the 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 punk mutant druggies that we're talking about at the beginning (laughs) are there um and then slowly we go into the we get into the vfw and we start getting introduced to these people like these these characters and it's almost like a it's like a mammoth or eugene o'neill play where they just kind of they exist for the first like 10 or 15 minutes yeah, it is nice. It's nice that it actually, you know, takes enough time to breathe at the beginning uh, for you to get to know the characters, get to know the relationships, uh, get a little bit of investment uh, in them uh, so that um, what follows will actually have some impact. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, <clears throat> and it's it's kind of great because like these guys are just existing. And I think that a lot of like with the exception of maybe Stephen Lang, all of these guys have kind of been labeled, I wouldn't say like bad actors, but they've just been act they they're they're genre actors, right? And what I love about what Bagos does uh, with that first opening uh, that first opening 10 minutes and the screenwriters uh Max Braillier and Matthew McArdle is they they let these guys really kind of connect and act like not act but just be and it kind of settles you into this 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 kind of lull that allows you to kind of really get to know these guys but it really is kind of like i said like a eugene o'neill play or a, or a mammoth play where these guys are really acting they're not they're they're performers and you're kind of like what i like about the film is the in the second half of it when shit goes down like it revitalizes them in a certain way in a kind of in a way and it makes the action it makes 
everything that happens afterwards really matter and count. But it also kind of works with you where if you've not seen these guys in a long time, with the exception of, like, say, Lang, who's constantly in movies now, and Sadler, who is also still in movies, but, like, somebody like Martin Cove, who, if you've not seen the Karate Kid sequel, you don't know how good he is. Like, you don't know. Like, and, like, what I love is... What I what I love is when somebody like Bagos decides to bring these guys back and gives them the kind of he gives them the the space to like really kind of do a performance because these guys I mean you know it's like it's like musicians like like I think we've talked about this before like older musicians like they get better like people get better with mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. um like you know Springsteen like. Like, we've talked about Springsteen before. I mean, Guy at 70 is doing some of the best work he's ever done. Yep. Um, Cash. Cash did some of the best work he ever did, uh, like, you know, towards the end of his life. Um, And it's kind of, it's shitty that, like, Hollywood just kind of, like, spits these guys out and just goes, oh, you're, you're done. You know, we don't want you anymore because you're not youthful. We don't have a place for you. But here it's not like that. It's like, let's do this. Let's show these guys. Yeah, no, exactly. And and there's a there's a looseness that comes with that that age, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of a confidence, you know, I mean, younger actors, I'm sure you're still thinking about, OK, I've got to hit my mark here and and, you know, turn this direction to the camera. And you're probably still thinking about blocking and still thinking about uh, all of those kind of things. And these guys are such old pros that, you know, the 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 technical aspects of filmmaking is just in their blood. I mean, they don't even have to think about those kind of things anymore. And so you get these very relaxed kind of performances. You know, everybody was talking about uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and and using the label hangout film. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is like at the beginning. It, It doesn't stay that way, but at the beginning, it's literally just like you're a fly on the wall in a get together, a birthday get together by these characters. And it's just really loose. And, you know, I feel sure that, you know, some of it was improv and everything like that. And so it just plays really natural, but it's a nice way to kind of, uh, you know, give you a way to, to get to know these characters and kind of develop, you know, some, uh, loyalty to and affection for these characters for, for what's about to come. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you put a, really good fine point on it. it was like the looseness like even kind of transitions to the visual style which is very loose but the great thing is is that it doesn't like what i love about what bagos is what bagos does is that when the shit hits the fan and it becomes the genre film that you're waiting for it to become because it's like for the first 20 minutes you're like okay I, okay so the the whole like the like you know the the inciting incident with the girl and the falling off of the the stage okay i i like that's kind of a bagos moment but you're like when is it going to become a joe bagos movie with the blood and all the the shit and it, when it does the the thing that the thing that i love about when it does is that he keeps that style he keeps that loose style so it doesn't feel like he's changing it either firming it up and making it like static or it it just stays that kind of that that kind of loose and edgy um feeling that never like you're never quite sure who's gonna live or who's gonna die which is something i was really kind of like what I, i that's what i loved about the film is that each moment, I didn't know who was going to live and who was going to die because 
they set it up in such a way and like make it so that it, everything counts to where like at the end Stephen Lane could die and you don't and you wouldn't it wouldn't be out of the cards or the last 15 minutes right. he dies right no exactly and um it's just kind of like a one like it's it, it's nice to see like when somebody takes genre seriously and elevates the material because that's what elevated genre to me is it isn't getting a great it isn't getting a a cast or a budget like that's that's bullshit like i i've seen some really shitty genre fare that has hundred million dollar budgets <laughs> <laughs> right but the same can be said is like i've seen some really amazing genre uh genre films that didn't that cost under 20 million dollars i mean like you know the perfect example is john wick like the original John Wick. Now everybody wants to think of like th two and three, where they they doubled and tripled their budgets from the original. But right. when you when you think about that first film, it was a mid thirties action film. Like it cost thirty million dollars. Like in the mid thirties, it was it wasn't the budget that did uh, that that made it special. It was the fact that they went way out with the style. And they went yep. and they yep. and they cared about the action and they really yep. focused in on that. And I think like Bagos here does his own version of what I like what I feel is like a like a John Wick turn, which is like he elevates the genre, the, the genre material he's doing by imposing a style in it. That's kind of great. Like it's something that we don't we don't often see. Um, which is like that neon-hued, but done very well, I should say, is like that neon-hued, very loose, almost punk rock um, style. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, one of the things that I've always hated is the expression guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know, you've heard me talk about that before. Absolutely. But the, but the listeners, you know, may not have heard it on from that particular podcast. But, you know, it's like enjoy what you enjoy like what you like and don't feel like you have to apologize for it. You know, there are, there is a place in the world for filet mignon. <laughs> there's a place in the world for, you know, creme brulee. Mm -hmm. And then there's a place in the world for, uh, you know, cheese whiz on a Ritz cracker. And, uh, depending on the occasion, uh, and the mood that you're in, they're all like equally good. And so to me, that's the way I view films like this is, you know, it's it's the little scrappy indie version of a more expensive, you know, type of film, but it works. And so it's like, you know, the 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 cheese whiz on a Ritz cracker can be just as good uh, as the the filet mignon. And so th and that's what happens with this film. And so that's what uh, drives me crazy is the idea of, you know, a, a quote unquote guilty pleasure is that somehow it's inferior. You know, it's like saying, well, you know, I really know this is a piece of garbage, but I'm embarrassed because I really like it. And the answer is, no, it's not a piece of garbage. It's doing what it does really well. It just doesn't have all the bells and whistles of the more expensive version. Absolutely. And to be quite honest, there's times where you don't want the expensive version because the expensive version, like each of them has their own, their own specialties and their own, like, you know, their own pros, but they also have their own cons. And, you know, like you said, like, like putting ghettoizing like films because of a budget is something that I, I, I have a big pet peeve about. Like I cannot fucking stand when people, 
like sit there and they only want to watch movies that they feel are within a certain budget range or a certain kind of classification. You know what? Guess what? You're not a film fan. Guess what you are? You're a pop culture snob. Like that's what you are. Like, and if you cannot, if you cannot appreciate, if you cannot appreciate movies at all budget levels and all languages and all types, then guess what? You're not really a film fan. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't call you. I can't call you a cineast if you're going to be like that. Um, and like, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's like, I can like, to me, it's like the range is like, you can like something like a portrait of a lady on fire and like VFW and not have to question it because that's what film is. Like you have two extremes and like this is the, like VFW has just as much valid framework within within the cinematic discussion as Portrait of a Lady on Fire and somebody who turns their nose up to VFW and doesn't even give it a chance. Now, I can understand if it just doesn't work for you and it's not your type of film, but you putting it into a, like, you know, you ghettoizing it, making it a film that, oh, well, it's not cinema. It's like. This is fucking pure cinema. This is exactly what cinema is. It's a visual <laughs> medium, you know. And I, I yeah, I, you know the. Uh, go ahead. So sorry. Oh, I don't know. You're good. I was. Uh, yeah, I, I actually I just lost my train of thought there for a second, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I don't understand. You know the the snobbery and 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 all of that kind of stuff. You know, with film critics. Uh, I always have a problem with reading, say, a review of a film like this, and it's just a terrible review of the movie. You know, it's just awful. Mm -hmm. And you can almost hear the contempt for the genre in the review. Yeah. You know, like this could have been the greatest friggin' version of a siege thriller ever, and this person still wouldn't have liked it. And so I always find that to be kind of dishonest film criticism. It's like you've created some kind of aesthetic in your head that everything has to measure up to. And if it doesn't measure up to it, then it's just junk. And so the approach that I've always tried to take is, is this a good example of what it's trying to be? Yep. The end. Because, yeah, because I've had people, you know, especially if you get into like, star ratings and letter grades and stuff like that then you know you give i don't know a film like this four stars mm -hmm. and then they go back and look and they're like oh so uh so you think that this movie is as good as the godfather part two and I, you know just comparing you know rating to rate yeah and i'm like no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is this film is a very good example a great one of what it's trying to be Absolutely. And like, that's what I hate is like the comparison, like, like the Godfather part two deserves to be compared to VFW and vice versa. It's, it's not the case. Like cinema, cinema stands like, you know, like for me, at least cinema stands on its own, but then also complementary to the, Films that are like uh, are similarly minded that's come before it that will come after it, and also where it lines up in cinema at, at, at on its own terms, and I feel like so many people do that like they don't let a film come to it on its own terms like you said like there's that contempt there, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? 
Like I've read some of those VFW reviews and it's like, like, I'm not going to name, I'm not going to call out names, but when I've read them and I'm like, okay, um, obviously, obviously you didn't like these films or obviously you're trying to service an audience that, um, you feel will reject whatever your, whatever your true feelings are. Or if this is your, really your true feelings, okay, wow, you just didn't give it a chance. Um, so, yeah, it, it is kind of weird where, like, a film like this has no, like, has very little space to preoccupy, even though it's a highly entertaining film and a, and a well-made film. Like, that's the biggest thing to me, more than anything, is is that what elevates this like, you know, above, like, what I think people feel is, like, 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 what people classically think of as B-movie action films is the fact that, like, this is not, like, some cash grab, uh, like, you know, made in, like, you know, made in Bulgaria movie (laughs) starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. This is something that they actually cared about. They worked really hard on and, um, they pushed it beyond just the, like, you know, just the standard lazy filmmaking. And they made something really, really like well executed fun. And that's the biggest part is like, it's fun and it's entertaining. Like, you know, it's like, and under two hours, like under a hundred minutes at that, which I always find is always like, like for me is like the marker of a good B movie, like a good low budget action or lo-fi action film is that if you can get under the 99 minute mark, oh man, you're good. You're really good. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's tight. There's really no wasted time. Uh, it, it just moves at a clip. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I agree completely, uh, that, uh, that it, the runtime is, is ideal. Absolutely. Um, now if somebody like, you know, like I was thinking about this, like after I finished, uh, like after I finished the movie, there were like four, four or five different films that I instantly wanted to like rewatch because of how, like, you know, I don't know if you're the same way, but when I see something like this, that's. I, I hate using the word homage because it's not an homage because this film stands on its own two feet um, right. stylistically, uh, but it definitely knows where it's come from and knows like, you know, knows the the its forefathers. And I was wondering, were there any movies that if somebody were to see this movie that you would recommend to go and deep dive into? Yeah, well, of course, the most obvious one is Assault on Precinct 13. So if you haven't already seen that, uh, you should definitely uh, see it. Um, I also thought of, uh, if you want to go another John Carpenter film, Prince of Darkness. Yes, yes. Uh, is is one that I would, uh, would think of and would recommend. Uh, if you want to get a little more uh, modern, uh, I'd go with Your Next. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you know the uh, I think that was the was that the advent of the creepy animal face masks. Um. Yes. We've it been was. seeing ever since then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But next. I mean, it's like a it's like a home invasion <clears throat> kind of thing, you know, uh, a, a siege film of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another one uh, that's a, a big standoff film like that, but in a completely different context that it made me uh, think of was Dog Soldiers. 
Yes, yes. A film that we are going to cover because we've talked about that mo- movie more than once. Yeah, um, I absolutely love that movie. I uh, Let's see, what was it? It would have been October of 2017. Uh, I just remember because of life circumstances that I won't go into. Uh, but uh, by October of 2017, I said, you know, I'm going to do this thing that everybody always talks about doing of trying to watch like a horror movie, you know, every day of October yeah, or something like that. And um, and so I thought, you know, it's time for, for me to do some rewatches and check some stuff out. And so uh, Dog Soldiers was one of the ones that I that I rewatched. I had the Scream Factory uh, Blu-ray of that. And man, that's just still a great film and it really holds up. And the amazing thing is if you watch it now, you go, oh, I know that guy from this show or oh, I know that guy from this movie (laughs) and some guys that were kind of unknown faces at the time uh, are now, you know, pretty well established uh, actors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would also like I would recommend um, a throwback film that. Um, that many people don't know, um, especially if you're if you're like Stephen Lang, talk about a badass. Um, watch the Michael Mann produced Band of the Hand. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to find because you're gonna find it on Mill Creek. Uh, they have a Blu-ray of it. Uh, um, it's. It's it's definitely of the 80s. Um, it's basically Stephen Lang plays this uh, Vietnam War vet, which literally he could this could be like Band of the Hand could be a prequel to VFW. Like if that if at the end of Band of the Hand, um, oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah. At the end of Band of the Hand, he just went off and said, OK, I'm done with this. I'm going to go ahead and retire and just open up a VFW. Um Bend the hand, just the fi- the the five second pitch. A group of kids, like uh, a group of like basically gutter punk kids, uh, in the eighties, are collected by um, by Stephen Lang's character, who's an ex military and he uh, ex military Vietnam vet, and he trains them and gives them gives them focus and like basically that hard love that they need and turns them into like a team of little badass like paramilitary uh group that can take on a drug dealer in Miami and the movie charts their growing as a team they're becoming a team and then the mission that goes completely haywire um in the in the middle of the movie to the end it's a badass piece of cinema that I think that a lot of people have not um, have not seen. I know they haven't seen. Um, Michael Mann produced this during one of the off seasons of uh, Miami Vice, so he had all of the crew work with Jonathan Glatzer, who I think a lot of people will find that shocking that he directed this movie uh, when you see his credits, but basically work with Jonathan Glatzer to make this movie. So. It's this super low budget, but super high efficient and awesome, like, you know, movie. Compare it to like, I know this sounds weird, but compare it to like what Hitchcock did with Psycho, where he took his TV crew who were super professional and made Psycho in less than like 60 days. Like Michael Mann had his crew working with Jonathan Glatzer and he co-wrote the script and basically made this film in like, I think it was like 30 days and it's really, really fucking good. And 
the 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 hook for people that are like more of the artful stuff. It's one of the first roles for uh, John Mitchell Cameron, the guy who created Hedwig. I may imagine that. I mean, there's a bunch of other f- people in there. Lauren Holly's in there. Stephen Lang when he was young. It's badass cinema. I'll just say that, that is much. cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one I'm going to give you is another Carpenter film, which is um, because I feel like Bagos like ma- made a little bit of a stylistic choice to go with this this film because of the atmosphere is the fog. Which is also kind oh, yeah. of which is also kind of a, a siege film in and of itself. It's a very it's a scary horror film, like it's a horror film, but it's still kind of a siege film. And I think that the way that Bagos does his atmosphere, like it's atmospheric in this film, kind of mirrors a lot of what the fog has atmospherically. Well, it's funny that you you should say <laughs> that because one of the other ones that sprang to mind for me was The Mist. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So Absolutely. we got the fog and we got the mist. We've got all weather conditions covered. <laughs> um, so I'll I will link to the show notes to all of these films so that you actually have them as recommends if you guys want to deep dive into any of these films. Uh, but mainly we want you to watch VFW because it's a and. And FYI, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, a, I always put my mic on mute and sit here and type away and look for stuff while you are talking. And so, uh, Band of the Hand, the Blu-ray right now on Amazon is under seven dollars. Oh yeah, you cannot beat that. Then I own 668. that. Six sixty-eight. Oh yes, I think I paid double that, and I was like, it was a movie like from like my childhood. Like it was literally right. a movie where I watched it when I was a kid, and I was like. Like, it's like one of those films that what I love about like that time frame is that I know it sounds weird, but like you didn't like back then we didn't have a community like we didn't have a community like we do now with with Twitter. So everything you watched was kind of in a bubble with you and your friends. Yep. So yep, it was and it and it was only after like, you know, the advent of the Internet and you started searching, you go, oh, other people liked other people liked Escape from New York. <laughs> uh, what? Right. Wait, wait. I thought I thought I was the only one that liked Big Trouble in Little China or Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> What's going on here? Who are these freaks? But like a lot of these, like a lot of the films from my childhood, like I feel like they like it was in a bubble. It's not like now where everything gets like within a three week period, everything is beloved, rejected, and beloved again in a such a short cycle. It was like. It took a long time for films to like really kind of gestate and become the classics that they are. I mean, like any one of these guys that you've that that stars in VFW has at least two or three classics to their name, at least. I mean, I mean, in some cases, like Fred Williamson, I mean, he's just like as long as my arm, like he's got these movies that are like, you know, 70s black exploitation classics Um or, you know, one of the interesting things that Joe Bigos had to say about him at the Q&A, he was one of the ones that was not there, mm-hmm. uh, was that he insisted in doing on in doing his own stunts. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So literally you have like some 80 year old guy going crashing through uh, a breakaway table or whatever. And he said he'd just pop up and be like, do we need to do it again? Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So he said. 
uh, you know, a couple of times he had to convince him, no, you know, I, I can't let you do that kind of a thing. Uh, but that he was, he was, uh, the, the eldest one of the group and, uh, and, but you know, just as gung ho about the whole thing. That like, that's literally amazing. Like, <laughs> I mean, literally living up to his nickname, the hammer. I mean, like, yep. that's just, that's just badass. And I mean, like, like just as a as a final note for me, it's like the my favorite thing is to see David Patrick Kelly. Like I loved him as a kid. Like I know this is sounds gonna gonna sound really weird, but he was literally one of my favorite parts in Forty Eight Hours. Like this was the time. Like when I was a kid, I realized I had a sixth sense of humor because of the abuse that he went through in that film made me laugh so hard. Like. And it was David Patrick Kelly because it wasn't just that movie. He did these kind of weird, wily, coyote-esque <laughs> roles right. that would just make me laugh. Like, everything that he does in The Warriors still makes me giggle like there is, like, a little schoolgirl. And to see him come back and play this kind of subdued version of him, like, literally, like, a play on the dude, because he's, like, this pot-smoking right. ex-vet that's just like, hey, I just want to take it easy, guys. Um, It's kind of, like, wonderful, because you rarely, like, like, to see him turn, like, he was, like I said, he was one of my favorites of, like, back in the 80s and 90s, and to see him come back with John Wick, and then now this, which is, which is a little bit more of a full role, it's kind of great. Yeah, absolutely. I've always liked him. I think he's kind of one of the great, uh, you know, action movie character actors out there. Yep. Yep. And then like, okay, so like Martin Cove, like aged the best out of all of them. Like, I don't know how, like the dude, like he doesn't look as great as he did back in the eighties and Rambo two and karate kid, but damn, like I was like, okay, like you could still do like, people should really be casting him in like, you know, higher budget movies. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah. He's in uh, uh great shape and, and does a good job uh, with the character. I enjoyed his character a lot because it's kind of like he's transitioned out of that world. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. he is, it's, it's kind of like the old, uh, you know, Al Pacino, they keep pulling me back in, uh, kind of uh, of of thing, and so it uh, his character is fun uh, because he's you know he's beyond that. He's moved on. He's got a, a you know another life, a post uh, military life that he likes, and so this forces him to kind of get back down and dirty uh, in uh, you know his his previous uh, career and and an area of expertise. Absolutely. And then when he finally does, when he like when he goes full on, it is a really badass moment. Yep. Like a, a badass earned moment. Um, so but um, anything else you want to add to this uh, to this discussion about the film? No, it's just I, I hope it gets some love from people. And uh, and I um, I bought it uh, on uh, Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got it coming soon. It's rentable and purchasable on digital now. Uh, and it's a lot of fun, you know, get some folks together. Uh, and it's one of those movies that I, I have certain movies that I like to show to people when they come over. Yeah. That it's like, depending on what they're in the mood for, if they're like, man, I just like to see, you know, some kind of cool action film. I'd be like, has anybody seen VFW? 
And then, you know, <laughs> they're all going to look at you like, no, I haven't. And I'm like, all right, then y'all need to see this. And so it's one of these movies that I have no doubt I'll probably see 10 times before I die. Uh, because I will have uh, been showing it to all kinds of, you know, friends and, and folks who come over to watch movies and stuff like that. So uh, it's a cool one to to have in your permanent collection. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. It, it is rentable right now. And it's got some great special features on it. It's got uh, two commentary tracks um, and a little making of on the VOD. Um, I think that the uh, Blu-ray actually has the same thing on it, and it also is available on 4K UHD if you wanted to, you wanted to uh, pony up the money uh, for for the uh, for for the film. And um, because it was, sh- I I was trying to see if it was. I think it was actually shot in. Uh, I think it was either shot in 35 or they just did an Alexa kind of like you know the like the the kind of beauty that they do because i i rented it from um itunes and it was 4k and it just looks stunning in 4k yeah uh, yeah it like does. it really kind of like rocks the house on on it so like i actually have the disc also coming to me uh in fairly short order so uh yeah go out and go out and rent it buy it uh i would actually say buy it because if you're the kind of person that likes this film you're gonna kick yourself in the ass that you just rented it yep exactly and uh <laughs> It needs to needs to get some love so that we will uh, see some more releases like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So with that, guys, uh, we will talk to you guys uh, soon, possibly next week. Um, And uh, we do again. I keep on teasing it, but I do. I do fucking know. We both know that we've got the we've got the Bong Ho episode due to you guys. But uh, I guarantee you it's going to be well worth it. Uh, So until next time, we will talk to you soon. (laughs) 